Amen. Well, hello everyone. Happy Advent. I, I always think of being a little kid and sitting in the pews and looking up as the candles are getting lit and just as a countdown to presents, you know. That was what I was thinking about as I was watching that uh, Advent wreath be uh, lit up. And here we are, we're getting close and uh, it's a joy to be with you in this season as we go through preparing ourselves for the birth of Jesus on Christmas. I'm going to now invite you to follow along. I'm going to be in Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. It'll also be on the screens. And we will hear our Advent reading this morning. Isaiah 9, the first seven verses. Nevertheless, there will be No more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living In the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and that government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to understand these words that we've read from the prophet Isaiah. May they take us deeper into our discipleship and our growth. I pray for anybody who needs to hear from you this morning, that you would speak um, and that your character would be revealed, that your will would be known, that your love would be felt. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Men, have you ever had the experience of staying up all night? Uh, Maybe some of you, that's been a long time since you've stayed up through the entire night. Maybe some of you, that was last night. Um, One of my 
least favorite and one of the most tragic things that ever happened in youth group in the 90s was something called a lock-in. Um, every pastor or youth leader knows what I'm talking about or youth group participant. This was somebody's great idea that what youth groups should do is get together, get everybody together, get as much sugar, get as much games, get as much whatever you can do uh, for the entire night because the only goal for the entire night was to stay up. And there's one thing you learn at a lock-in, and that is, is that the night is long. And uh, there's other ways we learn this too. If you have a newborn baby, um, you understand that the nights can be long. And perhaps uh, one of the saving graces of the long night is the moment when the day is dawning. And if you've ever stayed up for the whole night, you have the experience of watching uh, the sun go down in front of you and then the sun rise behind you. And there really is this special moment as that first ray of light breaks through the darkness. And that's going to be our theme for this morning, and I think that theme is present in the words of Isaiah. And so let's talk for a moment about the long night, what was going on with the prophet Isaiah in his time that he would write words that his people were living in a land of deep darkness that they were walking around in darkness. And we know, we can guess, that some of the experiences of deep darkness would be the feeling of being lost, right? If you're in the dark, you can't see where you're going, you don't have any direction, and so when you're lost, you might get into some collisions with other people walking around in the darkness. And you also can experience a lot of despair because you're not sure where to go or what to do or what's next, if there ever be reprieve from this sense of being in the dark and feeling alone and lost. And this is the imagery that Isaiah brings uh, to his time. And we can learn a lot from Isaiah, but we also need to understand the historical context that we've been doing this a little bit. Thank you for indulging me and just teaching a little bit of the history of what was going on for the life of uh, these prophets as they bring these uh, words of hope and images and symbols of hope in a dark time. This was no exception for Isaiah. And one of the places we get to learn the images, uh, the the descriptions of this land of darkness, we can actually see Isaiah talking about a specific place, the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, which was on the border of the Sea of Galilee. 
and what was going on, why he viewed this as a very dark place, a place of deep darkness, was because um, there was this great empire, the Assyrians, and the Assyrians were a massive threat. They were looking to conquer all of the surrounding nations, and Judah, where Isaiah prophesied, was one of those surrounding nations. But in between Judah and the Assyrians were northern Israel and Syria. And so northern Israel and Syria were attacking Judah in order to consolidate an army big enough so that they could then fend off the Assyrians who were inevitably coming. King Ahaz was the king of Judah during this time, and he saw the oncoming northern Israel and Syrian army, and he was not excited about that. And so what he decided to do was to try and make a a move where he was going to align with Syria. And so he sent a king's ransom to Assyria to hopefully appease them and align with them and say, hey, I want to be with you and not the northern kingdom of Israel, even though they had so much history together. And the Assyrian king at that time was not impressed by the ransom and so proceeded, and we have historical uh, Evidence of this that basically the Assyrians went first to the Syrians, then to the northern kingdom, then to Judah to conquer them all and to send them into exile. Uh, this is also accounted for in scripture in 2 Kings. I think we have the scripture. I just want to see you to see the language that's used here because it's the same language that Isaiah is using. So in 2 Kings 15 29, it says, In the time of Pekah, king of Israel, Tikalath, Pelezer, king of Assyria, he took Gilead and Galilee, including all the land of Naphtali, and deported the people to Assyria. So I wanted you to see that Naphtali part. Because this is the image of the land of deep darkness. And the idea here is that this would have been the place on the Sea of Galilee where the Assyrian army first attacked. Judah. So this was the place of vulnerability. The land of deep darkness was the place where the Assyrians came in and they sent the people of Judah off into exile. A land of deep darkness. And really at the end of the Old Testament, we have so many images like that that we've been going through, right? This is the context. This this darkness, gloom, And yet, we see the attention of the prophet, the imagination of the prophet is not solely on the darkness. But what the prophet has done is somehow conjured this image of hope, been with God in prayer, and seen that this was the final word for his people, that in fact, 700 years later, that this darkness would end, that there would be reprieve, that somehow 
God is working behind the scenes, even amidst this deep darkness and exile, to bring forward light. And we see what that light is in Matthew chapter 4. We also have this because it's going to pick up the same imagery, the same location. In Matthew chapter 4, it says this, Leaving Nazareth, speaking of Jesus, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So Jesus went to the same exact place, to the place where Isaiah described as the land of deep darkness. And Jesus went specifically there because he is this child. In Isaiah's mind, this one who would bring the light into the world. And so he goes to the very place of the deepest darkness in order to, to fulfill these words of hope for a people who are lost and to say there is a light, a light that will guide you home. One of the questions we might want to ask in looking at scripture like this is have you ever experienced a time where you knew that a change was needed, but you didn't know how or when? Maybe we could position ourselves or think through what's going on in our world through this context. We know that change is needed, but we don't always know what that change looks like and how it will come to being and in what timing it will come. And so it makes us weary and exhausted. Perhaps we could feel like we're driving through a long night, staring at the horizon, hoping to see those first rays of light break. In the book of Romans, chapter 13, Paul also picks up on this imagery, even uh, thinking through the implications of the Messiah being born in Jesus Christ. And he writes this in Romans, chapter 13, verse 12. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Paul describes our situation. He says that we live just before the dawn. This is a hard place to live, just before the dawn. There's two Greek words that are the most prominent when describing time in Scripture. Uh, there's chronos time and there's kairos time. Chronos time is what we understand when we say we're late, uh, when we're late for an appointment, uh, 
keeping track of the clock, all the things we know about chronological time. But kairos time is to describe when what we would say is all time stops. When there's something so significant, so important, an experience that we're having that matters so much as, as if in that moment that time is frozen and we're experiencing it totally different than we would chronological time. And when Jesus utters these words in Matthew 24 about his second coming, when he says, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come, he's describing this form of time, this kairos form of time. Be awake, be alert. Now, I don't think what he's saying is do a lock-in every day of your life, right? Where you're just staying up all the time, exhausted, and no, you need rest. But what Jesus is describing here is living a wakeful life. Living truly alive. Because when the darkness comes, the darkness tries to penetrate our lives and make us sleepwalkers. To make us think there is no hope, there is no direction, there is no light. And when we are on the edge of dawn, it's the most tempting place to experience and let the darkness come in because we're weary and tired. And yet there's an invitation in this idea of staying alert and awake. The invitation we see from Paul, he says, in the midst of this deep darkness, in the midst of this hard darkness, this deep gloom, that because of who Jesus is and how he shined his light in Galilee for the world, that there's a way in which we too can put on the armor of light. And we can become these little shining lights, these little shining lights that we see everywhere around us in our community in the midst of the deep darkness. And that will symbolize like Jesus did that there is a light coming in fullness, that we can see in part now. You know, what we tell people when they're going through the long night and they're depressed, one of the things that we can say to them is we say, it's always darkest before the dawn. That's a way of giving people hope. To say to them, I know right now you're going through it, but keep going. Because something else is coming. Something new is coming into the world. Don't give up. This is the message that the people who read the words of Isaiah pass on to each other in 700 years of exile and darkness until Jesus came to fulfill those words and they realized it was all true. This hope, this hope that they held like a torch in the night to say, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Something better is coming into the world. One of the things that happens sometimes in a sermon is uh, there's a little 
uh, soundtrack that can be developed behind the scenes that I listen to as I'm preparing my sermon, and I wanted to share a song from Emmylou Harris that picks up on this theme, and I can't do a southern twang, but I think these words are worth sharing with you. It says this, the sun is slowly sinking, the day's almost gone, still darkness falls around us, and we must journey on. The darkest hour is just before the dawn. The narrow way leads home. Lay down your soul at Jesus' feet. The darkest hour is just before the dawn. Like a shepherd out on the mountains, watching the sheep down below, he's coming back to claim us. Will you be ready to go? The darkest hour is just before the dawn. The narrow way leads home. Lay down your soul at Jesus' feet. The darkest hour is just before dawn. Now, in chronological time, we can be late. And the next day, we can learn and be on time again. But with Kairos time, we don't want to be late. We don't want to miss the experience of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we live just before the dawn. And so the way to live is to understand that there is a Prince of Peace. There is a wonderful Counselor. And to let these rays of light inform us about our future that is totally bright and new. But in the meantime, we armor ourselves with this hope, beyond hope, that today speaks of war and violence and the surprises of violence that fill our news each and every week. And yet, we can hold up Jesus Christ, who is our peace, and say, it is always darkest before the dawn. The way of peace will come upon us, and we must always live in that light. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, uh, may it be so, and I pray for anyone who needs rays of light, who's feeling anxious and needs a ray of light of your wonderful counsel, would you give that to them? Lord, I pray for anyone who is feeling anything but at peace this morning, maybe feeling the knee-jerk reaction of frustration or anger, feeling all of the ways in which things are incomplete and wrong in the world, and I just pray right now that you would speak to them and give them the light of peace. Lord, we know so much of the difficult things in our world, and yet you make it possible to shine the light of joy in our hearts. So may we be with you so that we can know these experiences and share them with others. We thank you for your word this morning. Your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.